You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Previewing round two here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns and the NBA at SB Nation as well as Dime Magazine, and you can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Most importantly, though, follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns, where you can tell us if you agree with our series prediction, which we will get to just at the end of the show. Uh, we, being myself, as well as Brandon, our co-host on Mondays, you know him as Ona, on Twitter. He is at AZ Sports Zone over there. Brandon, we talked on Locker Room a little bit Uh on Friday, gave our series predictions there. We're going to do it again. But uh, what's what's the what's the emotion like right now? How, how are you feeling coming off of that Thursday series win? I'm personally just really thrilled we didn't have to deal with the Game 7 this weekend. Yeah, we kind of talked about it in uh locker room, just about how I think everyone just kind of needed that extra day of rest, uh, fans and players included, just from crazy draining series and – uh, yeah, just looking at the West right now, it's it's wide open. And, um, you know, I think a lot of Suns fans are kind of coming down off that high now, just kind of getting ready for this uh, this next series. And um, should be a really fun one. We got the Joker. Um, they're definitely not as hateable as the Lakers, so that's going to be a, another factor. But, uh, yeah, a lot to talk about, a lot, a lot to uh, dig into, and uh, can't wait. It... Uh... I guess I'm thinking about it again too after watching that Clippers Mavs series um just or 6 and 7 especially the stress level that I was at just watching those games and I really didn't care who won um so yeah again very nice for us to all have the weekend off I relaxed I didn't have to be at the arena on Saturday so all all good stuff I'm sure we are all ready for game 1 uh really wanted to remind you guys first though to Check out Locker Room. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. You just download the app on both Apple and Android. Join us every single Friday in uh, around noon. We usually try to keep it to noon and talk suns with us. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. So what I've seen a lot of folks talking about and and kind of getting back to that Mavs Clippers, the, the Clippers win in seven games there thanks to a heroic performance by Kawhi in game six, and then Dallas just sort of running out of steam in game seven, uh, is that this West, I mean, it felt very wide open. It was like, unless the Lakers can get it together, there really is no clear favorite. There probably wasn't a clear favorite anyway, considering that was such a huge question for the Lakers. And now, you know, like, I I guess the Clippers are the, the nominal team that, like, the betting would have had at the top going into the season. They probably still are at the top. Um, but, like, look, they were the four seed, and they they took seven games to take down Dallas, who, who sort of sputtered around a lot of this year. Like, there is not an obvious – there's not an obvious, like, juggernaut in this Western Conference. And I, I guess, like – how comfortable are you feeling like this? Have you allowed yourself to think that the Suns could really make a legitimate serious run here? Yeah, this is, uh, as far as I can remember, like the most wide open the West has been in a really long time. So um, the three teams that don't make it out of it uh, from this point are all going to be kicking themselves because this is like one of the best opportunities you're going to have to get out. So 
you know, I don't think um, any of Utah, Phoenix, um, or LA would be shocking to, you know, make it out of the West at this point. Denver would be a little bit of a surprise to, you know, take down the Suns and then take down the winner of Utah and, and uh, LAC. That, that's a tough task. But uh, yeah, you don't want to look ahead too much because you still have to take care of business against a, a good Denver team. But I mean, the West is right there for the taking. And um, just looking at the East now, you know, that Bucks Nets series feels like um, that's going to be the winner of the East. So uh, there's there's a lot to look forward to, but at the same time, you know, you know, Monty's going to have them focused on on Denver um, first and foremost. But yeah, they're they're in the final four now in the out west, so it's you know eight wins away from making the finals. Yeah, it feels insane. Um, scheduled a trip myself for July 10th through the 14th, and I'm already kicking myself. I, I should not have should not have messed with the, uh, the, the, the vibes of that. And, and I, I'm already like, should I tell the people I was supposed to go with that, that I might not be able to, am I going to jinx it? If I do that, do I just lay low and, and wait for it to play out? But it reminds me a little bit of, um, there's so much like weird kind of parallels to that 2010 season, just obviously it being the last time the Suns made it, but also playing the Lakers, having the series end in six games, all that. But the other thing that's similar is exactly what we're talking about now, which is that, the overall conference felt very much up for grabs. I mean, the whole league felt up for grabs that season. If, if folks remember, I mean, that was the last LeBron Cleveland year, the first go round when he melted down in the playoffs, um, the end of the magic run, they won 59 games, but did not obviously ultimately um, do much there. And then you had in the West, Dallas and the Lakers, Dallas sort of the year before they would go on to win the title. The Lakers obviously beat the Suns and go on to the finals. That was their last season before uh, injuries and everything started to break up that core. So it feels it felt at that time, I think, a little bit like a transition. And it feels like that now uh, we didn't see quite as many of the young guys break through like we're seeing in this year's playoffs. But there are seasons like that. You even think like the 2019, like the Raptors, that East was so wide open because LeBron left. And it's it really does feel like anyone's ball game. I think the team that's not getting talked about a lot is the Jazz. And I don't know if you got a chance to watch much of that series. I watched um, like a game and a half or so. I watched game one when they lost, and then it was kind of a beat down the rest of the way. But they feel more and more serious to me every time that I go through kind of in my head, like, you know, who are the Suns play, which team is, is legit, all that stuff. Like they just are deep. They have, they kind of have an answer for everything. And I think that's the team that for whatever reason, just especially now not having to go through the Lakers or anything feels really scary to me. Yeah. I actually like how the Suns match up with them. I think, both those teams are like the most complete teams in the West. Obviously, the Clippers have um, arguably the most talent. Is you know, Kawhi's just been insane. So um, you can't sleep on them either. But I, I just there's something about them I just don't trust. They're just you know taking seven games to beat Dallas and just um, how yeah. bipolar their team is is like I, I just don't entirely trust them. But you also can't rule them out by any means. So Utah is definitely. Um, probably the most complete team out there. Um, them and the Suns are actually built pretty similar, similarly, but, um, I think the reason the Suns had success against them this year and, uh, their three games is just the, the wing versatility that Utah can't match. And I think that's what, um, the series could come down to along with the, the guard play. So, 
Um, Mike Conley's health is also something to factor in as well. So, yeah, <clears throat> it wouldn't shock me at all if Utah came out of the West. Yeah, I like. I mean, I, I honestly like the Suns. How the Suns match up against all of these teams, I think that's pretty self-evident. They've played really well against every team left. They obviously swept the Jazz. They played well against the Clippers. They, um, you know, lost to the Nuggets, one of two out of three. But you know, we'll talk about that series right on the other side of the break. It just doesn't feel like there's anybody to to really fear now that the Lakers are gone. And I think that's why everybody's so excited that it's up for grabs. I really do think like. This would not surprise me if we see the Suns have a legitimate shot. I mean, I, I don't feel really comfortable betting on anybody because it is so wide open. But like you said, the Suns have a complete uh, team. They have an identity that I think a lot of other teams are still searching for. I mean, we watched that Clippers game and nobody even uh, had a real clue what the rotation was going to be for that team, let alone, you know, who would step up ends up that Luke Kennard hit some shots and, and we see, you know, they go small and, and Marcus Moore is able to stay out of foul trouble in this game like he was not in game six. But they don't even know who they're going to play night to night yet. Yeah, maybe they've landed on it now, but th- there's so much in flux that I think the Suns do have that upper hand of, you know, here's our eight or nine guys here. Ha- here's how we play. And provided that Chris Paul can at least get to a level that allows the Suns to win and the shoulder holds up and he hopefully improves over the course of the playoffs, then I, I do think that it's. Uh, it, it's anyone's ball game here, including the Suns. But let's talk about this Denver series, the task at hand here um, in more detail. And then we'll get you out of here with some thoughts specifically on game one, what to watch for as the series tips off. We'll do that right after a quick break. But first, a word from Indeed, the first sponsor of today's show. If you are filing for any positions, if you have any openings for your company, Indeed is the place to go. It's the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Just post screen and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that, that meet your must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews right from your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy with tools like the Indeed Instant Match, which gives you quality candidates whose resumes match your job description in the, Indeed, in the Indeed skills test, which on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 of those tests, then add your must-have requirements so that, again, you only pay for the applicants that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all the other job sites combined. So if you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar, my favorite Built Bar or my favorite protein bar and the best one on the planet. I was going to tell you, of course, my favorite is the double chocolate, but there is also coming soon a grasshopper cookie is like a mint cookie, like a thin mint type of, of flavor. It's delicious. I love it. I've already uh, made my way through the sample box that they sent. You can be on the lookout for that. They're always trying stuff, always giving you more of what you need, but best of all, they never lose sight of what matters, which is keeping these things low in calories and low in sugar while stacking the protein in there. You don't want a protein bar that's too many calories where it's supposed to be like a meal replacement or it makes you feel groggy. You want something light. You want something that gets you the protein that you need, tastes good, and doesn't bog you down. That's what Built Bar does. To check out, maybe 
discover your favorite flavor. I like the double chocolate, but there's nine of them. There's samples and specials all the time to figure out what your favorite is or dip back into the well and get more of whatever you love. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. Not first order, next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Let's dive into this series, Brandon. Um, We talked about it again a little bit on Locker Room. That's Fridays at noon, folks. We are there talking sons, answering your questions. Uh, So that's a little little midweek or late week check-in with us that you get. But we did not have the the place to really, really dive deep. So let's do that now. Um, The thing that I come back to that I don't think we've talked about yet is the the bench and – it's not something that's going to really swing a series necessarily most of the time, but at the same time, I do think it was such an advantage for the Suns over the Lakers to have campaign, be able to come in and do what he did to have some wing depth in Craig and Johnson, where you were able to check different guys on LeBron or on Anthony Davis without, you know, really feeling terrible about that. And I think it, it's going to be less of a strength against Denver because the Nuggets are pretty deep as well. So that stuck out to me as I kind of took a step back and thought about this series is it might be even more important for the Suns to win those minutes because it won't be such a it won't be such an obvious victory for the Suns like it was against the Lakers. Yeah, for sure. And Denver's deep uh, despite Jamal Murray being out and, you know, Barton's out and Dozier's uh, out too. So it's they have a lot of uh, bodies that are out there, especially their bigs with – uh, Paul Millsap and Jermichael Green off the bench. And then Monty Morris is one of the best uh, backup point guards in the league. So, um, yeah, they, they have some high-end talent off their bench, and that's what you need in the playoffs. And that's why they're able to uh, win the series against Portland, who's, you know, they're still a good team. So it's you can't rule them out by any means. Um, but, yeah, winning those minutes on the bench, uh, specifically with campaign, is going to be huge now. And – you can make a case that Denver's like reserve guards are better than their starting guards, um, which isn't saying much, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup just from uh, the guard POV. Um, who are they going to throw on Booker? And then which probably it's going to be Gordon, but then who are they going to throw those guards on? So there's going to be a lot of ways for the Suns, I think, to get creative and uh, really try to take advantage of that. Yeah, they have Barton, like you said, out with a hamstring strain and uh, Dozier actually coincidentally out with a groin strain. So that that uh, narrative looms over this series as well. Not that Dozier is quite the difference maker that Anthony Davis was, but just coincidental to have that injury again. It looks like Barton is closer to coming back than Dozier is. And Barton would probably also be a potential option on Devin Booker just with his size um, and yeah, you mentioned Millsap, Green, Morris. Those three guys in and of themselves might be better than any bench player for the Lakers outside of Alex Caruso. Like, I, I do think that they have some two-way talent on that bench, especially in the front court that the Lakers just did not have. So we'll have to see who is eligible, like who's who's out there, who's active for these games with the injury stuff, and then how they mess with the rotation and, and who actually starts because I don't think they're married to anything. Um, so with that in mind, I was going to say, you, you mentioned Aaron Gordon. I think that's what most are assuming will happen there. I also wonder though, like, do you think they'll, they'll just marry Gordon is out there every second that Booker is out there and book and, and just gets that matchup on Booker all game long. Do you, who, who else could do that job? Rivers maybe. That's what I'd probably do if I were them. Just 
tell Gordon, this is what you need to be. Like you have to be our defensive stopper and, you know, he's not going to stop Cook, but he's going to, you know, at least try to bother him, make him uncomfortable with his, his length and his size advantage. So, um, yeah, I think it would be smart for them to just mirror those minutes. And if Book is torching them, then, yeah, I'm sure they'll try to get creative and mix some things up and throw some doubles his way. But, yeah, it's, it's a tough task. I, I just think, you know, the way this the, the Suns are built specifically um, is – in a way that can expose a lot of Denver's weaknesses defensively, uh, especially with the guard play and just the ball movement and how, you know, the Suns are coming off a series against one of the best defenses in the league in the Lakers. So now um, it's going to be a little bit easier. So, uh, and and they still shot the ball pretty, pretty damn well those last few games. So um, carrying that momentum over against a a lesser defensive team um, could be a recipe for, you know, the Suns offense really waking up full stop. So yeah, I think Gordon on Boker makes the most sense. Just looking at their roster, they don't really have anyone else that I think can really, uh, that really has a chance to slow him down. Like they'll probably throw rivers on him too a little bit, but maybe Shaq Harrison. Um, that's, those are like the only options I see. Like that makes sense. Barton would be the guy if he was healthy too. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Harrison. I think a lot of people thought he might get more of a run in that Portland series. It seems like if, if they're not going to put him against Supernova Damian Lillard, they probably don't trust him in any series, uh, you know, Devin Booker or otherwise. So it feels like he he's unlikely. I mean, maybe if there's an emergency situation, if it got to a game seven or six or, you know, a must win type of moment for Denver, they would do something like that. I did want to point out Dozier when he was on the floor this year, this, the Nuggets defense was 9.2 points better per 100 possessions. That's really, really enormous and obviously would be a boon for them. He's, He's a little bit bigger. I think Booker would have a quickness advantage on him. We've seen that with guys who have the size to defend Booker, but don't always have the, you know, athleticism or agility like Wes Matthews, for instance, in the last series. So I don't know. I don't really think they have a great answer. Um, I I don't, I don't, you know, maybe it's going to be one of those where Booker eats and they try to limit what else the Suns uh, do on offense. I I did just want to remind you folks as well. That today on Road to the Finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. So thinking about that, 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 that what the Suns do offensively and how Denver could maybe limit that, um, I think that they will have an easier time with the personnel that's on the floor because they don't have to adjust as much. This is something that the that the Lakers could do when Davis was on the floor, but not so much otherwise, which is, you know, showing on the pick and roll, getting up to the level of the screen a little bit more with their big. In this obviously case, that would be Nikola Jokic. And they're actually pretty effective at executing that. And that, that you know, we've seen that give Booker some trouble in the past. He was getting used to and comfortable with that pull-up three late in the Lakers series. So, I think it's a possibility that we could see that have some success. What else do you think Denver can do defensively to limit a Suns offense that we saw really explode to end the series in the first round? Yeah, I'm sure they're probably going to be taking a lot of film out of those games that the Suns struggled against the Lakers and try to replicate uh, some of those, you know, those defensive sets and schemes to throw Booker off. But at the same time, they don't really have the personnel. I think to like match what the Lakers can do like physically. So 
um, yeah, they're just gonna have to play smart. It's gonna have to be like a collective effort to slow like the Suns down. And that's kind of the same thing the Suns do, right? Like they're not like this crazy defensive team. That's just, they have one guy that they're gonna throw on you and just, he's gonna shut them down. It's more of like a collective effort, just like, you know, sending doubles, like crazy help defense, just coming at you in waves. So that's how Denver's gonna have to play. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not really sold on their their defense being able to to hold the Suns' offense down for for too long. So, um, especially with the, the way the Suns play, I think really just favors um, you know like a faster tempo against Denver. And obviously, you don't want Jokic to get in a rhythm, so you kind of want to slow down in some points. But in transition, I think that's where they're going to feast. Yeah, and Doug, the Nuggets were the 11th best transition defense in the NBA this season. Um, I find it so hard with some of these league or uh, season long numbers for them to really get drilled down enough to get a good sense because I think their team just changed so much with the Gordon addition and the Murray loss. So that's where they were for the full course of the season. They obviously do have, you know, with Gordon and, uh, you know, Morris and and Rivers and play, players like that, obviously Jokic being the, the, the centerpiece of it, Jermichael Green, players who are comfortable you know, playing in space and and things like that. So it, it is, I think they can score in both. I think though, like you said, defensively, I think that you can really challenge them and not allow the defense to get set by pushing. We saw the Suns have success doing that um, in the Lakers series. One more thing on the defense, and then we can uh, transition to just game one stuff to watch is they were then they were the a top 10 team in terms of how many field goals they allowed at the rim percentage-wise of, of the total shots the opponent took. But when teams got there, the Nuggets were the worst defensive team in terms of efficiency at the rim. So they didn't let you get there very often, but when they did, you were going to make your shot pretty consistently. 68.1% they allowed at the rim, which is ridiculous, uh, which I think stands up to like what we see when we watch them, right? Like that's a team that their goal is to make a shot difficult, make it hard for you to get where you want to go. But if you can crack it and you can get, you know, get to Jokic at the rim or you can get past Jokic and, and finish, like they don't have a lot of length and athleticism and, and physicality defensively to really do anything about it if their initial plan doesn't work. So I think this series will be decided on that end, uh, the, the, the Nuggets defense versus the Suns offense. So we'll talk about that in just a second to get you ready for game one. First though, the final sponsor of today's show is betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered for all sports action. They're the fastest and easiest way to make a bet. Baseball, basketball, hockey, fights, tennis, golf, all in full swing this summer. And BetOnline is the best place for it. Constant flow of sporting news, bonuses, contest info, all at your fingertips, whether that's on the betonline.ag website or on their mobile app. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Log on to BetOnline and get into the game as teams make their run toward the title. What you're going to do is download that app or head to the website, make an account today, and when you make your first deposit, use the promo code Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. Again, that's promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Let's close this out, Brandon. 
Uh, what's on your mind with game one? What should people be watching for in the opening moments? What do you think could could really decide game one? We talked about on Friday that this could be somewhat of a feel-out game since they, these teams just really haven't faced each other. What's your vibe uh, heading into Monday's game? So the two things I'm looking at the most, uh, number one is Michael Porter Jr. versus Mikel Bridges, uh, presumably. I think that matchup's going to probably be the X factor of this series. Like if, if they can neutralize Porter Jr., then Denver doesn't really have a lot of offensive creation outside of like obviously Jokic, but he's kind of had to step up and be that number two guy. So um, yeah, really looking forward to that matchup. The 2018 draft uh, wing battle, it's going to be fun. And uh, I just like the, the wings the Suns have and they can throw at Porter Jr. like at all times too. So like when Mikel's out, you can, bring in Torrey Craig, who uh, will be on the, like we already talked about the revenge tour against his former team. So yeah, that's definitely the first thing that stands out. And then DeAndre in foul trouble, which we talked about on locker room, just that's going to be like a major key. And just going back to like what you said about the rim frequency and the struggles Denver's had uh, once they, once you get there, I think that's where uh, DeAndre can feast. And that's why he's put oh, yeah. some big numbers against them in the past. So yeah, I think the, the Aiton-Jokic matchup and then uh, Porter Jr. versus Bridges are two subplots um, to really look at, and that's not even talking about the, the guard play. So, Yeah, with with the Aiton thing, um, something that I'm looking for, actually, I, I know I said I think the series will be decided on uh, when the, you know how, how well the Nuggets defense can handle the Suns offense, but on the opposite side, I actually do think like we, we know that where Aiton struggles the most is having to read and, and adjust, read and adjust and, you know, sort of help and recover and all that stuff all within one possession and, and kind of that chess game within a half court possession. I think he was excellent at it against the Lakers, knowing where to be, when to be there, you know, shading over to kind of thwart a LeBron drive and then, you know, get back to Drummond to protect from the lob and then box out and, like all the stuff that he had to do in that series, I, I don't want to short change, but with the Nuggets, it's a whole other thing. You know, you can have a, you know, a dribble handoff between Morris and Jokic that ends with a pick and pop to Jokic. And then he's going to take you off the bounce, kick it back out to Rivers who runs a side pick and roll and then gives it to Jokic on the block. And then, you know, you're communicating a double take like that, that, that type of thing that, that Jokic just demands out of the opponent. I think uh, aside even from the foul trouble, just Aiton's like brain processing all of that stuff and still remaining as excellent as he was against the Lakers, I think is a really big challenge for him. And I'm really excited to watch because I do think he's up for it. He's played well against Jokic in the past, but uh, it's a different sort of challenge than like, you know, help against drives and then defend AD in isolation, which not to oversimplify, but that was a lot of his job in the Lakers series. And this is just a whole other can of worms. Yeah, definitely. And uh, <clears throat> Jokic already said earlier that, you know, Aiden's given him the most problems and the numbers kind of back that up. Um, but it's definitely a different ball game when you have a, a center that can dribble and put it on the floor and, and pass. Like you, you can't take any plays off or he'll make you pay. So DeAndre is going to have to be uh, just as engaged, if not more than ever. And, um, you know, if they do get past Denver, then looking at the his next matchups, it's like Gobert and like Zubac. So uh, this is going to be the most difficult task for him by far, I think. So uh, 
um, just continuing to play that like as a rim deterrent using his length to like bother him on on his shots and just not giving up uh, space in the paint will be huge and on the other side like if you can get Jokic in foul trouble then that's just a that's a bonus so I think the Suns um, should try to not over get over aggressive um, in feeding DeAndre but um, try to put Jokic in some places that make him uh, vulnerable on defense on defense so um, yeah, there's a lot of different ways they can do that, but um, all in all, it's going to be a really tough task for DeAndre. I think he's up for it, and I'd rather have him have a tough task than like an easier one, just so he's more engaged. Yeah, totally fair. Um, I think the last thing to mention here, we talked about the health of a lot of these different guys in, you know, where we could see the matchups go with Booker, and obviously it that's not even to – to address who would then defend Chris Paul, which is dependent on how much of a threat he actually is. But even aside from, you know, who defends who and whatever, I'm looking at who starts because Monte Morris was such a big game-changing presence in that Portland series when he really stepped up was when Denver took control of that series. He was 8 of 16 for 22 points and 9 assists in 33 minutes, really took Composo's spot in the rotation in that game six when they walked away with it on the road. So maybe he starts and Composo becomes less of a of a part of this series than we think. You talked about Shaq Harrison. I think, you know, defensively, if if the Suns offense just becomes too much to handle, then we really could see Harrison start to eat into Composo's minutes. So I actually feel pretty confident that we would that we would see Morris in the starting lineup at some point in this series. And, you know, other than that, it's probably pretty baked in the, they obviously are going to continue to start Porter and Gordon. Um, but, you know, maybe they, they could go really big and have like, you know, Jermichael Green in there since we know Gordon will be defending uh, Devin Booker most of the time. Like, I do think that we shouldn't just assume that the starting five we've seen will be the starting five for the rest of the series and maybe not even game one. Yeah. Malone's definitely going to tinker with some things and try to throw the suns off. Um, yeah, I think Morris is their best guard by far. So, um, trying to neutralize him and just making sure he's not getting, uh, the easy looks that he's so good at getting will be the key. And I think Chris Paul, um, can do a good job of that. And he's one of those guards that, you know, even though Paul's a little bit undersized, he has a size advantage on, which is kind of rare. So, uh, yeah, I think just the guard play in general will be the key for Denver. If, if one of Rivers or Compazzo is like, you know, uh, stepping up, then they have a shot. If they're both off their game and not really a factor, then it's gonna. It's just tough for me to see their offense having enough firepower to to hang with the Suns, um, especially when you factor in how good the Suns' team defense is. It's just um, there's only so many options for them. So, uh, but yeah, Morris is definitely uh, kind of their their uh, sleeping giant in a way. He's had a really good series against Portland, so looking forward to that. Yeah, it, it seemed like it benefited their other guys like Gordon Rivers to be able to get the number of open threes that they got against Portland's porous defense. And obviously some of that's just going to happen when Jokic is feeding you the ball and the ball movement and, and cutting and, and movement that they have baked into their system is so good. But I think there's going to be fewer of those for sure in a series against the Suns with the team defense that you have have referenced multiple times so you know does Gordon score 
double figures consistently when he actually has a hand in his face every single time might maybe has to make a decision with the ball in his hands or pass up a three more often. Same, same can be said for rivers who really won them a couple of games with his shooting. So I just agree with you. I mean, I think their offense looked really good against a terrible, terrible trailblazers defense, but it's going to be a, a very tall task for them to do that again against a top 10 Suns defense. Couldn't be more different. Uh, we're obviously both bullish. I think everybody listening can tell. Um, we only had a handful of folks join us for locker room, so very few have heard our series.